0: To This it's Monday like edition blast, of the Logan blast. Blackman it's Show. Like I hope blast. you all had a really fantastic, fantastic weekend. And I hope you are ready for another rambunctious edition of the Logan Blackman Show. But before we get into today's episode, let's go over some of the housekeeping items first. Let's make sure to follow the Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. You can find me on Instagram at Blackman Logan and the show's Instagram account is The Logan Blackman Show One. Facebook and YouTube search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel and like and follow the Facebook page. You can check out Mock Draft 2.0 on all different forms of social media. Geez, sorry. You can you can check out Mock Draft 2.0 on all different forms of social media. Or you can go to the theloganblackmanshow.com and go into the blog section and check it out there. Uh, We will have ModDraft 3.0 coming out for you on April 3rd. So next Monday, we will have a new ModDraft for you. So might as well just check out ModDraft 2.0 while it's still semi-relevant, but we'll get to all the NFL draft stuff here in a little bit. And then finally, you're listening right now. Make sure you're following and are subscribed to the Apple Podcasts and Spotify accounts and leave a five-star rating. It could be a five-star rating or a one-star rating or anything in between. I don't really care. Just as long as you leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do, whether it's about one individual show, or, uh, the show in general, about the host, about whatever, talking point that you didn't like or that you really liked, things you want to fix, anything you want, just as long as you leave a rating, just leave a description down below. I would greatly appreciate it. And again, I don't really care what you rate it. As long as you just give it a rating and explain why you gave it that rating, then I will, I will greatly appreciate that. So, yeah. It's been, a, it's been a fun weekend. It's been a pretty fun weekend for yours, truly. I went to an art show yesterday. My friend Andrew was showing off some of his art. We had a really cool venue yesterday. We uh, There were some live performances, open mic. It was really, really cool. Really enjoyed it. And then after that, I went back to another friend's house, Brady, who has been on the show before, and hung out with a few other friends and watched some March Madness, watched some basketball. I missed the first game. I did miss the first game, but I, Andrew's art show went from... Like, 5 till, I, I left early. I left early, so I don't know exactly what time it officially ended, but it started at 5, and I told him – or I told – I we had a couple other friends that were going to go. One of them didn't end up going with us. But I was like, I don't really – like, it doesn't really affect me if I miss Florida Atlantic versus Kansas State. I'm sorry if that's, a, if that's bad. If that's bad, I know Florida Atlantic just made the Final Four. I know Florida Atlantic's this year's Cinderella team – they're the last team since when Virginia won the national title a few years ago to win 35 plus games and go to a tournament. Like it's gonna be fun. Like and if and it's crazy to think about this. So we already gave away that Florida Atlantic won yesterday against Kansas State, but it's crazy to think about either Florida Atlantic, Creighton, or San Diego State will be playing in a national championship game in a few short days. Isn't that insane to think about? Isn't that insane to think about? Because the other sides, UConn, Texas, and uh, Miami. That's fine. Those are some quote-unquote bigger-name universities, not Florida Atlantic, not Creighton, not San Diego State. Like, these are not schools that you really associate with successful basketball, like like, national championship challenging programs. So I did not watch Florida Atlantic, Kansas State. I know that might sound bad as someone that hosts a sports talk show or hosts a sports podcast. I was out there to support my friend. I was like, you know what? I can watch this game back. It doesn't really affect me. My bracket doesn't have either of these teams going this far. It'd be cool to see Florida Atlantic win, but would it hurt my feelings if they lost? Nope. So it doesn't really affect me. Like UConn-Gonzaga, that was a game I wanted to watch. That game is what I want. Like, UConn has been absolutely pile-driving teams the entire freaking tournament. So I was like, oh, I've got to watch UConn. And then Gonzaga's Gonzaga. You want to watch Drew Timmy. You want to watch all these different teams, like, all the different things Gonzaga has. You want to see when they're going to knock out, get knocked out of the tournament because they're always really good and they always get some sort of blowout loss, it feels like, towards the latter stage of the tournament. And that was last night. So UConn-Gonzaga, again, was going to be a very highly anticipated game. Gonzaga... You know, it's Gonzaga, and UConn's UConn, they've won multiple national championships, I just saw today, three of their four national championships have all been won in the state of Texas, so they could continue that, so spoiler alert, uh, UConn won, and it was a, for the most part, for the most part, it was a good game, for the most part it was a good game, and then, uh, until it wasn't, until it wasn't a good game, and then UConn absolutely just blew them out of the water, UConn in the second half of this tournament is a just different animal. You remember that old Nike commercial with Kanye West and Kobe Bryant? I know controversial, controversial. I understand that, but you've seen that old commercial. was uh, are you a are you a different animal and the still in the same beast or something along those lines? That's UConn. Like in the second half, they are a different animal. They're still a beast of a team, but they're a different animal when that second half kicks off. You look at that game against Iona, like the first game of the tournament for UConn. I had UConn going to the final, so when they were like close with Iona. At the start of the tournament, I was getting kind of nervous, so I didn't watch the second half. I didn't watch the second half of UConn-Iona because what happened earlier in the tournament, like a day before, or maybe it was the same day. I can't really remember. All these days kind of molded in together. There's so, so much basketball going on. You, it's kind of hard to make sure which games go where. But I watched. I was watching Maryland versus West Virginia, and I had Maryland winning. That was the first game I had in the tournament that I got right. So we went. And we started off 1-1. One, one, one of one. And then Virginia and Furman happened. And that game was closing off. So you know what? I was like, oh, you know what? We're gonna see the end of that game. Virginia was winning the game at the time. So I was like, oh, we'll see them, and we'll see Virginia win, and then we'll get another prediction right in the bracket. And I turned it there, and then Furman ended up winning, on the stupidest like try to throw it all the way down the other side of the court play I've ever seen. It was resembling of that of you and I versus Texas A and M a few years ago when you and I just completely capitulated at the end of the game. It was something similar to that. And then Furman goes down and makes a three to win the game. It was terrible. So when I see UConn semi-struggling against Iona in the first half, I'm not turning there because I already did that. I already had a team that was like, man, they're struggling with a lower seed team. I'm going to see them winning out. Nope. Didn't do anything with that game. And what was cool about the western side of the bracket, I only got two games wrong, that western side of the bracket. I had VCU beating St. Mary's, and then I had Kansas beating Arkansas. Other than that, like I had UConn beating Kansas, and I had UConn beating VCU. So it wasn't like... Oh, they! I had D C U and and Kansas going super far in the tournament. No, 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 no. And after watching all these different games at UConn, they look damn near unstoppable. They look unstoppable. And I thought I was I thought I was really cool for having them going to the national championship game. I had them playing Alabama in the national championship game, who obviously lost to San Diego State a couple days ago on Friday. So I was like, oh, oh, uh, UConn versus Alabama. They played each other in the regular season. UConn won that game we're going to have a rematch game, and Alabama's going to come out on top. It didn't help that Miller really didn't show up this entire tournament. I've seen a lot of memes on Instagram and Twitter where it's like, Alabama was just in the wrong place the wrong time against San Diego State. Wrong place, wrong time. (laughs) So, yeah, I I was confident in my UConn pick after the Iona game, because they absolutely blew them out of the water in the second half. They won by 24 points. They won 87-63. to Like, absolutely dominating game in the second half. And then against St. Mary's. Similar-ish story. Winning by 15, they won 55 to 70. And then against Arkansas, we go back to the Iona game. Absolutely blew them out of the freaking water, 88 to 65. And then against Gonzaga, a team that has got some experience on this roster. Drew Timmy's been in college as long as I've been out of college. It feels like, anyways. He's been the, he was in college with me and has still been in college since I've been out of college. If that makes any sense. So I was like, oh, this will be a really good game. This is going to be an absolutely insane game. And then for a little bit, it seemed like it was gonna go that way. And then like all these other games in this tournament, all the other games UConn has played in, absolutely torched them in the second half. Like when UConn's missing or keeps making baskets, you cannot afford to just start missing every single shot you take, which is exactly what Gonzaga did. But Gonzaga against UCLA, really fun game really fun game won the game on the last second three or not last second but last minute three and uh yeah really really fun so that that western side of the bracket I I'm pretty impressed with that I had Kansas beating Howard I had Arkansas beating Illinois I had VCU St. Mary's at Yukon, Iona TCU beating Arizona State Gonzaga Grand Canyon New, Northwestern Boise and then UCLA versus UNC Asheville then UCLA beating Northwestern, Gonzaga beating TCU, UConn beating VCU, and then Kansas beating Arkansas, but Arkansas obviously beat Kansas. Man, so if Kansas if Kansas beat Arkansas like they should have, like really, they were winning pretty much. They were winning for most of that game. They shouldn't have lost to Arkansas, but Arkansas ended up winning the game. I should have picked Arkansas. My friend Ryan's an Arkansas fan. Now, if we were to do that same experiment and look over to the eastern side, of the bracket, which is what the other five, the Elite Eight matchup was, the other one, FAU versus Kansas State. You know what we said we got two games wrong on the western side of the bracket? Past the first round, we got three games right. Or no, not even past, just in general, in that bracket, we got three games right. Like, uh, well, not three games, but so we got past second round. I'm not really going to count. So the first round, we started off strong. We started off strong in the first round. Obviously, had Fairly Dickinson beating <laughs> beating Purdue, obviously had that game, but uh, then I had Memphis beating Florida Atlantic, and to be honest, after seeing what Memphis did to Houston in the conference championship game, there was not an ounce me, and I'm not afraid to admit this, because there's certain games that you have in March Madness, at least for me, where you're like, oh, I'm always picking this game. Like, you never think twice about it. That was one of them. Memphis beating FAU was not any, I never once thought Florida Atlantic was going to beat Memphis. Never once thought that. You had Penny Hardaway at Memphis. You have them winning the conference championship game. It's Memphis. There's no shot for me. That was like, oh, I'm going to pick that. I had really about two games like that. Two games like that that I really remember where I had no bre- – Like and the other one was San Diego State versus Charleston, which we'll get to that one in a little bit because that one's really bit me in the ass as well. But other than that first round, we got Duke right. We got Tennessee right. And after Duke beat Oral Roberts – I was like, oh, man, I'm happy I put Duke in the Final Four. I'm happy I put Duke in the Final Four. They absolutely obliterated Oral Roberts. And remember when we were filling out the bracket on the show, I almost had Oral Roberts beating Duke. And then I changed it to Duke beating Oral Roberts, and they won by 23 points. So I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And then I had Kentucky beating Providence, which, again, I almost had Providence winning that game. And then Kansas State beating Montana State, which was upsetting, but I did pick Kansas State. I had Michigan State beating USC, and then Marquette beating Vermont. So I was like, oh, we're doing fine. And then uh, everything changed. Michigan State beat Marquette, which is a game we almost picked, and we went against it. Kentucky versus Kansas State. I don't really remember if I thought Kansas State would actually win that game. I, th- I just I had Kentucky winning, but I don't remember how close I was to picking Kansas State. And then Duke-Tennessee, we talked about that when we bitched about that game here on the show. Duke playing one of the dumbest zones I've ever seen in my life, and just it didn't work ever. <laughs> and then they just kept doing it. It's like ramming your head into a wall a thousand times expecting a different result. You just kept doing it. I don't know why they were doing it, and Tennessee blew them out. And I was like, man, I had Tennessee going pretty far in this tournament. I had them in the Elite Eight. And then they lose. They blow out Duke by 13 points. And then I was redeemed because Florida Atlantic beat FDU. Really fun game. Really fun game. And then Florida Atlantic beat Tennessee. So my thought process was, I never had Florida Atlantic winning the first round. So I can't even be mad at Florida Atlantic being Tennessee because I was mad at myself for not picking Tennessee against Duke. Florida Atlantic beat up on Tennessee. Then Florida State, or Florida Atlantic beat Kansas State last night. And again, didn't see a lot of the game. Saw little portions of it, but I didn't watch like the main thing. And again, I can admit it. I told everybody I was perfectly fine missing that game. Because I wanted to watch Yukon, Yukon Gonzaga. I really wanted to watch UConn Gazette, so I was perfectly fine with that. So, after the first round, not a single team that I had winning in the second round won in the second round. I had Duke winning the second round, they lost to Tennessee. I had Kentucky lose winning the first round, they lost to Kansas State. I had Marquette winning the second round, and they lost to Michigan State. And that one, I almost picked Michigan State. I almost picked Michigan State. I didn't have Marquette going past that round anyway. So, again, like these weren't killer games like FDU beating Purdue. A lot of people that killed their bracket. I had Purdue going to the Sweet 16, so I like I didn't have them going to the final. I didn't have them going to the Final Four, so I had other teams there. But that one just completely fell apart. And now tonight, tonight, so you guys will know what happens in these games. But on the North and South, or the Midwest and South parts of the bracket, sorry, these ones were a little more of a mixed bag. They're a little bit of a mixed bag. And you look at some of these games that were on here. We'll start off with the Midwest, or no, we'll start we'll start off with the South because that's the first game coming up. I'm gonna miss the start of that game. Because it's twelve fifty, it's twelve fifty right now. The game starts in about a half hour, so I'm going to miss a little bit of this game, I would imagine, at least the start of it. But this one, I, there's parts of it that are a little bit more upsetting than others. Alabama just completely falling apart against San Diego State, and that's another one. Like we talked about with FAU, I never in my thought, I never thought that San Diego State would beat Charleston, and I don't have a reason for it. I've, I'm not going to sit here and say I have watched zero Charleston basketball. And in the same breath, I have watched zero San Diego State basketball. So why would I think Charleston would beat why was I so confident in Charleston picking San Diego beating San Diego State? And I'll tell you why right here. I have no idea. <laughs> I have absolutely no clue. No clue. But I was like, you know what, Charleston? Fast paced team from what I read. They're gonna beat up, they're gonna beat San Diego State. They're gonna beat them on the counter. And then uh, yeah, San Diego State ended up winning 63-57. And I almost picked Furman over Virginia. And then uh, Furman made that last second shot. Not last second, but last, what, 10 second shot to win the game. Then San Diego State beat Furman. And then San Diego State beat Alabama, a team that I had winning the national championship. Which, again, if your best player doesn't show up in the tournament, it doesn't really, it makes it kind of hard for you. And then I had Creighton beat NC State. I had Baylor beat UCSB, University of California, Santa Barbara. And I had Utah State beating Missouri because I have a friend from high school who's a big Utah State fan. So I picked Utah State. No other reason behind that. no Zero reason behind picking Utah State other than that. And then you have Princeton beat Arizona. I'm not going to sit here and act like I was like, oh, yeah, that I knew that would happen. I had a couple other friends' brackets that had 15 seeds beat two seeds. Like Brady, who we brought up a little bit ago, his bracket, he had Colgate beating Texas. Texas is playing to go to the Final Four tonight. So, out of all the teams that I had in the Elite Eight during this bracket, I can say finally, I didn't have any of them losing in the first round. None of these teams, so I at least got some points from teams that made the Elite Eight. They might have not advanced far past the first round, but it worked out to a certain extent. To a certain extent. But I had Creighton going to the Elite Eight, had that one the entire time. I was fairly confident in that one. And now Creighton has a chance to go to the Final Four. I would love to shake the hand of the guy that, or girl, that had Creighton versus FAU in the Final Four. Because March Madness, like, there's never been a perfect bracket ever. And there will never be a perfect bracket ever. There will never – there's so many different combinations you can have in March Madness. There's so many different factors. And since there's, like, an upset every year, the fact – like, people p- picking fairly Dickinson to beat Purdue, a team that won four games the season prior and didn't even technically make the tournament because the team that was supposed to go – had like some sort of suspension or something, at least from what I've read, I could have gotten that wrong, but I know they won four games season prior. I don't know if anybody had Fairleigh Dickinson beating Purdue. And even the most diehard Fairleigh Dickinson fan had them beating Purdue. They have one of the National Player of the Year candidates on their team who did little to nothing in that game. He, he put up good numbers, but he can't move. <laughs> Eddie cannot move. Oh my goodness. I think there was at one point he had 20 points and 11 rebounds. Like, he put up decent numbers, but it was all for naught. It was all for naught. You lost to a team that had four wins the season prior. And from my knowledge, watching that game, Purdue didn't even ever look like they were going to win that game. I could be wrong, but from what I watched that game, it never felt like Purdue was going to actually win that. And I'm happy. I'm happy. I Again, I had Purdue going to the Sweet 16, so I didn't have them going to the Final. My dad had them going to the Final. The They had them winning it all. Winning it all. I didn't have that. So I'm perfectly fine with them going to the losing in the sweet the first round. That was fine, that was fine. But like it'd be a different story if Alabama lost in the first round. It just all depends on where you had this team going. <laughs> but on the Midwest side of the bracket, this one was a little this one's tougher to swallow because Miami, who is now in the lead eight against Texas, I had them losing to Drake in the first round, and there were times where I. I think I can say, Drake looked the best out of the Iowa schools in this tournament. And what's weird about that is they scored 19 less points than Iowa did. But I think Drake looked the best. I think that all has to do with, like, expectation, what you were thinking of the team going in. But this is a very experienced Drake team. I think they had something that their starting five is older than, like, three NBA teams or something like that. Average. Like, they have, four like, four grad tra- graduate students in their starting lineup. but then Tucker DeVries. Like they have a very solid team. And I'd watch Drake this year. I had watched Drake. Because I went to UNI. I like to follow the Missouri Valley Conference. Being a Des Moines kid, growing growing up with Drake being my favorite basketball team, I had to watch Drake at some points of the season. Tucker Reese has been awesome this season. But in the tournament, in the second half, especially, he didn't really have things going for him. And Miami ended up coming back and winning the game. But it was Like, Miami, they blew out Indiana, ended up blowing out Indiana. And they ended up blowing out Houston, and Drake held them the sixty-three points. They scored eighty-five and eighty-nine in the last two games, the next two games, and Drake held them the sixty-three. Like Drake played really, really well in that game, and I had them going to the Elite Eight or the Sweet Sixteen. So that one hurt. That one hurt. And then I had Kent State beating Indiana because I got in my head. I saw I think it was Jay Billis, because again, this is where the whole mock draft expert, with the air quotes thing, came up. You're an expert at predicting things. Okay. How is that an expert? So that's where we derived the the mock draft expert or the draft expert from. It's from March Madness with Seth Davis telling me Georgetown was going to be, I think, I don't remember who they were like going to be Colorado or something. They're like a 17 17 team. They're around 500. Lost the first round by like 20 points. I could be wrong about what the score line was, but I remember that was why I did the draft quote unquote expert and can't state. Jay Billis was like, Indiana strolled uh, away from Assembly Hall this year. Kent State could exploit that. So, like, you know what? Good on you. Because I want Drake to do well. I don't know if Drake can beat Indiana, so I'm going to have Drake going to the Sweet 16 beating Miami and Kent State. I remember I talked about Miami with Shane Larkin going in this tournament. And Miami wore some butt-ugly uniforms against Houston. So, yeah, Miami looks good. Miami looks really good. I don't know if they can beat Texas. I don't know if they could beat Texas, because I had Texas in the Final Four. So, Houston losing in the last round of Miami, again, like some of these games, it doesn't affect me. I didn't have Houston going far after that. I didn't lose the next round. Did I think Houston was going to get blown out like they did? No. But I told Brady, before the Houston-Auburn game, there was a chance Houston could lose that game. And there were points in that game. I know Houston ended up winning 81-64, so they ended up winning by a landslide. But there were points in that game where it looked like Auburn could come away with a win here. But they didn't. They obviously didn't. And then Iowa, speaking of Iowa and Iowa State, Iowa State and Iowa, especially Iowa State, Iowa State didn't even bother to show up. Like, I almost picked Pitt in that game, but I was like, because the thing with Iowa State was you didn't know which Iowa State team was going to show up. Never knew which Iowa State team was going to show up. Because I watched this team beat Baylor, not once, not twice, but three times, and I was there in Hilton Coliseum watching them lose horrendously, to Oklahoma. This is the same Iowa State team that lost by like 20 points with Iowa without Chris Murray. So this is a weird Iowa State basketball team. And then Caleb Grill's not a part of the team anymore, so it was a lot of mixtures in there. And then Pitt absolutely blew him out of the water. 59-41. Never close. Iowa State scored 41 points in this game. I, bu- I haven't checked this. Is that the least amount of points anyone scored so far this tournament? It had to be. It would have to be. Like, Earl Roberts scored 51 You have VCU scoring 51, and they still scored 10 more points than Iowa State. And this is not me just bashing Iowa State for the sake of bashing Iowa State. Iowa State fans have bashed Iowa State for this game more than I have or more than any other fan has. It was an embarrassing game. (laughs) And Iowa, they scored 75 points, and they didn't even look that good in that game. Iowa scored 75 points. There were only a few teams that scored much more than Iowa did. Like, you look at Iowa State, there are two. There are, every team in the tournament scored 10-plus points more than Iowa State in the first round of the tournament. Every single team. Iowa, there is about, I mean, other than the team they lost to, we're not going to count that game, there's a few teams that scored 10-plus points in the first round. In the first round, obviously. But State of Iowa, we had a really rough tournament on the men's side. Really rough tournament. Iowa lost to Auburn. Auburn would get super hot. Iowa would just, it happened, coincide. Coincidentally... I would go cold. Auburn go hot. I would go cold. I would get hot. Oh, guess what? Auburn's still hot. Iowa State couldn't make shit. It looked like me and my friends playing pickup basketball when we did those Thursday night things. That looked like me and those guys. And the best part was, I didn't even watch the game. I'm taking this from word of mouth from my friends that are Iowa State fans. I didn't even see the game. I couldn't get it loaded up on my TV. Didn't watch a single second of the Iowa State game. But I can tell you this, shooting, what would, What did they shoot from three again? What did they shoot from Three. It was some ridiculous number. Like, oh damn near impressive number from three. It shot 9% from 3. Okay, we'll round up. We'll go 10%. 2 of 21. 23% from the field. 23%. 57% from the free throw line. Like, that's like a multiple choice quiz or test and getting every answer wrong. That's like more impressive than getting every answer right. Like, how do you even how does that even happen? Like I didn't have again I didn't have Iowa State going far I didn't have Iowa going far. I had Drake going the farthest and Houston losing to Miami sucked but again I have Texas still alive so in my final four I could still get two of the four final four teams in here I get Texas versus UConn, and then Creighton or San Diego State versus FAU never one I you know what I could have had creighton I, I had them going to the lead eight but I was I, I felt confident with Alabama winning it it just doesn't help when your best player just can't make anything. So we'll see how that affects his draft stock. So that would be very interesting to see how that does. Because you can't show up in the biggest moment of your college career when you scored zero points in the first round against Texas A&M CC, Community College? <laughs> I know it's Corp- I think it's Corpus Christi. I don't want to say it is Corpus Christi and they'd be wrong. But they scored zero points then, played decently against Maryland late as the game went on, and then didn't show up against San Diego State. So yeah, two teams that I had never picked them to win their first round matchup are now in uh, in contention for the Final Four. So we can have two teams that I had predicted in the Final Four against two teams that I never thought they'd win their first round matchup in Florida Atlantic and San Diego State. That's the beauty of March Madness. Again, that's why there will never be a perfect bracket. All number one seeds are out before the Elite Eight. I don't know when the last times that's happened. I don't know when the last time that happened. But one team, like a 16 and a 15 seed won this tournament for the first time ever. In the same bracket. First time ever that's happened in the same bracket. Like it'll never happen. It'll never happen until I do it. But one before I do it, <laughs> eventually, I'm not going to tell you when. It's going to be a surprise. But until I do it, no one's going to do it. Because when you're as smart as I am, and as big-brained as I am, especially when it comes to college basketball... <laughs> You're going to get, you're going to get it right. But with that, I'm in three groups. I made one, bra- So okay, I made three brackets. One of them, I'm in, it's the same bracket in three different groups. I only made one real bracket. And then I made a higher seeds bracket and a lower seeds bracket. Because I want to see which. like, if you picked all higher seeds, how would that do versus a all lower seeds bracket? So it's just, you know, it varies. It varies. So the lower seed bracket is not doing that great, obviously. But we got like Fairleigh Dickinson. We got FAU winning. But then Fairleigh Dickinson, we had them beating FAU. So that kind of eliminated that bracket pretty quickly. Then we had Princeton beating Missouri twice. We had Princeton in the Sweet 16. But then they lost to Creighton. And we didn't even have Creighton be there. We had UCSB. Pitt being Iowa State. And uh, then Kennesaw State. Kennesaw State versus Xavier was an awesome game. That That is one of the best games of the tournament so far. But, man, yeah, the lower seed bracket is not doing great. It, it, it Max points is 90. <laughs> the higher seed bracket, max points is uh, 470. And that bracket's done because, obviously, there's all, like we just said, all number one seed are out. For my actual bracket, my max points is 840. I got 97% in this bracket. I don't know how this works, how the different seedings work, but in my three groups, some have more teams, more people in it than others. And my first one, everybody's national championship champions out. Everyone's national champions out. But I'm projected the most points. I've got I got the most points now, and I'm projected the most points. My max points, anyways. I shouldn't say projected, but my max points, eight forty. I'm in first place in one of them. Go to another one. Again, a little bit less teams, but again, first in this one. Max eight forty. We're looking pretty good. I'm the only one that got points so far, so far, from the Elite Eight. So I'm just going to keep building my lead there. And then in the final group, this one has got 60-plus teams in it. 60-plus teams, 60-plus people. And I know about 90% of them. And some teams still have their national champion available. Like UConn, some people have. Texas As some people. Surprisingly, no one had FAU and no one had San Diego State. But those teams are still available. I'm in second place in that one. I'm My max total is 840. I got 60, 600 points right now. And Drew, who organized this whole thing, Drew is, uh, he picked UConn to win the whole thing, and in his, and his brackets, Drew Dodd, hammered. <laughs> so he can still do well. He can still do well. I'm projecting more points than most people here. The Drew has a sober one and a hammered one, and the sober and hammered one are actually not that far apart. The sober one is the is same point total with me. The hammered one is a little bit below, is is max total higher than me. So, I don't know if I'll win that one, but I am in line to win the two other ones. So, I'm going to make some money this offseason, which is awesome. If I could finish second, I think second place gets money in this one. I think second place gets some money. So, let's just hope we can stay in second place. By UConn, Drew having UConn in the final and winning it is is not helpful to me. Especially since he, well, he... You know what? If Texas makes it, that would help because he has Miami in the Final Four. He has Miami in the Final Four. And he had Purdue versus Arizona, two teams. What? I don't understand how this bracket works. He has two teams in the Final Four that lost in the first round. How the hell does that work out? (laughs) And He's going to have projected more points than me. Upsetting. Terribly upsetting. But, hey, Texas needs you to pull through now with that one. But March Madness is fun. Even if you don't watch college basketball, March Madness is fun. I always find it funny how like March Madness like controls everybody's lives for people that have not watched any college basketball this season. Like a few of my friends are like, "Dude, I can't miss this game. You have watched maybe two basketball games the entire season. Like that's why I didn't really care that much about missing Florida Atlantic versus Kansas State. It's not like I'm a fan of either team. I know they're exciting games. And I love watching March Madness, but it doesn't like I need to watch this. Like, if my team's playing or if it affects my bracket, like Gonzaga-Yukon, because I had that matchup and I need Yukon to win, then, yeah, I'm going to sit down. I really want to watch that game. But I don't need to go, like, I don't need to sit down and watch every single game. Younger Logan did that. Lo- younger Logan had the March Madness app. I would sit down and watch March Madness games all the freaking time. But I, I always think it's funny how it captures, uh, what do you call it, captures the nation, captures the idea of people that care could not care two shits about college basketball are now all of a sudden watching college basketball and cannot miss this game. I cannot miss this March Madness game against Kansas State versus Florida Atlantic. I respect people that do it. It is fun to watch. I'm not going to sit here and, like, I'm not bashing on anybody for doing that. I just think it's funny. I just think it's funny. But with that being said, I thought it'd be fun. And we just went through the bracket, so we'll see how good my memory is. (laughs) I found a quiz on Sporkle. And it's the the March—2023 March Madness bracket. So we're going to go through and try to name every single team that has taken place in the March Madness bracket. And we got 12 minutes to do this. I don't know if we're going to go the whole 12 minutes, but it's not like going through every round. It's going to fill out the autofill each round. So if I said Alabama, we'll have them going to the Sweet 16. So it's not like it's just I got to predict who won each game. Like, I just got to name the teams. It's just simple naming the teams. And there's 130 points available— I, like, the whole bracket. So, I don't, I don't know if it's going to count playing games. So, I don't know if we're going to have, like, a Pitt uh, Mississippi State. Is that who Pitt played? Pitt versus Mississippi State situation. I don't know if that's going to be a thing in here. But I'm going to see how good we can do. I don't know. I, I would imagine I could get somewhere around 110. That's where the goal is, anyways. Again, because of the fact that we just went through the bracket. So, you would imagine that I can remember most of these teams are are, are playing still. But uh, let's start this quiz in three, two, one. Okay, so I'm I'm not I'm gonna try my best to go in order. I'm gonna try my best to go to order, but we'll see if that happens. So Alabama is one of them. Uh, Texas A&M CC, Texas A&M Community College. Oh, it just filled out Texas as well. So is it gonna fill out A&M? It is. Okay, Texas A&M CC. There we go. Oh, they are they are counting playing games. Okay, so I don't know. I'm not gonna get the playing games. Then we got Maryland. Then we've got West Virginia. i got to spell it right. Virginia. Yeah, there we go. Five seed was San Diego State. And if you remember correctly, who did we have San Diego State losing to? That's right. Charleston. <laughs> awesome. Then we have Virginia. We have Furman. i got to spell it right. Furman. Then we have Creighton. And who Creighton beat? Oh, crap. Who did Creighton beat? Who's the 11 seed that played Creighton? I don't. Wow, um, I know Baylor, and they played California Santa Barbara. Then Missouri was a seven seed, and then we have Utah State. Delete and Arizona and Princeton. We'll finish that one out. So there we got that one. I, who was the eleven seed that played Creighton? So we got thirty-five points right now. Thirty-five points. Then we got Purdue. We got is it just gonna take? We'll take a prediction or abbreviation. Yes. We got Memphis. We have got FAU. Then we have got the five seed. Who's the five seed? Duke. And then we have Oral Roberts. Then we have Tennessee. Who'd Tennessee beat in the first round? They beat... Who'd, well, obviously they beat somebody, but who'd they beat in the first round? I, I'm i blanking. I'm not going to spend too much time on it. Kentucky. Providence. Providence. Three seed was Kansas State. Kansas State. Then we have Montana. Montana State, seven seed Michigan State. Uh, then USC. Then the two seed was Marquette, and then Vermont. And then okay, so we got sixty-eight points out of one hundred and thirty. Then we go to the other side of the bright, the Midwest side. Uh, who is the one seed there? Is Houston, obviously. Then who'd Houston play in the first? They struggled a little bit in the first round. I don't, I'm blanking on who they played. Then we got Auburn, Iowa, five seed Miami. Then Drake. Then who was the four seed? Indiana, Kent State. And then we've got uh, Iowa State. We have Pitt. I haven't spelled Pittsburgh. We got Mississippi State. Because I'm I know that game. M I S S I S S I I miss a I Mississippi State. Then we've got, who's the three seed? Who's the three seed? Who was the three seed? Xavier. And then Kennesaw State. And then who played AM? Penn State absolutely obliterated them. Colgate. The only reason I remember Texas loot beat Colgate is because Brady had Colgate beating Texas. I have no idea who Kansas played in the first round. Don't remember. Oh, Howard. Howard. Yeah, okay. I, I remember it was Howard. Uh, fifth, the eight seed was Arkansas. Gee, sorry. And then we got Illinois. Five seed was St. Mary's. And then we have VCU. Then the four seed was UConn. And then Iona. And then the six seed it was TCU. I don't remember who they played. I don't remember. I they had a play-in game. Or no, they didn't have a play I know Arizona. Was Arizona State the team they actually played? Yes, it was. I don't remember who Arizona State played, though. Three seed, Gonzaga. Then they played Grand Canyon. And then seven seed? Who was the seven seed in this side? Because UCLA was the two seed. Northwestern. And then uh, we got, obviously, Boise State. So I've got 123 out of 130. Because I cannot remember the 13 seed that played Tennessee. I cannot remember the 11 seed that played Creighton. I cannot remember the 16 seed that played Houston. Houston. And I can't remember the 15 seed that played UCLA. And I can't remember who played Fairleigh Dickinson. I can't remember who played Texas A&MCC. And I can't remember who played Arizona State. So I think we have 7 minutes and 27 seconds left. I think we just ended there for quiz. So I I, I, I might just fill it out. I'm not saying – I'm not going to count these ones. It's like 100%. So 123 out of 130 is what we officially got. NC State beat – lost to Creighton. And then we had UNC Asheville beating UCLA. Did I spell it right? Or There's an E in there. There's a mystery E in there. So 123 out of 130. I'm not counting these ones. And then who'd Tennessee beat? Louisiana. Lou, Lou, then who'd Houston almost lose to? Or play not great against Northern Kentucky? I actually, if we were to put North, okay, there we go. And then the playing games? I have no idea who the playing games were, so I, I don't care. So I got one twenty three out of one thirty. We'll quit there. What's the? What are the final teams? So I got a uh, Texas Southern, Southeast Missouri State, and then there's an ad. I don't care about the ad. And Nevada, Nevada. Okay, so I got one twenty three out of one thirty, which is of course, what do we get percentage wise? Ninety five percent. Uh, with the 127, I got 98%. I'll take 95%. 94.6%, but we're going to round up. Like, Iowa State shooting percentage, we're going to round up. Make it look a little better. So, yeah, that's a, that's what we got for that. I I, was, I wasn't, I was like, too nervous about missing teams here. And this might have been a dumb quiz that we didn't really need to do. But it was just fun. I like taking quizzes every once in a while test my knowledge. And we just talked about it, so I, I, would, I would remember most of it and again i forgot who tennessee played i forgot who us ucla played i forgot who houston played i forgot who who was the other team that i forgot who played creighton forgot who they played so yeah so there's some teams we didn't get there's some teams we get but i'll take a 96 percent i'll take a 96 percent you know I would also take a 96 uh quarterbacks with completion percentage that's where 96 percent is a pretty damn good completion percentage what a segue there logan what a segue there, Logan. Why don't we bring up completion percentage? Because it's not something that... I've, I've said this before on the show. I've said it about a thousand times. It's not something that is truly indicative to accuracy, but it's a... It shows you, like, a, a decent measurement for it because completion, completion percentage is fine because it doesn't show, though, like... Where the ball was placed it doesn't show where, if it was dropped, we don't show if it was even an insane catch of the quarterback made a bad throw, interceptions, like there's dropped interceptions, that doesn't count for interception, the interceptions that Josh had, Josh Allen had week one against the Rams, it bounced off Isaiah McKenzie's chest, negative towards Josh, so it's like these different stats are, they're, they're solid enough, but they're, they're, they're flawed, let's put it like that, they're flawed, and the reason I'm bringing up completion percentage is because NFL Rookie Watch on Twitter, they were bringing up a Will Levis quote. Will Levis obviously had his pro day the other day. And said said, uh, Will Levis said in a recent interview that the thing that, irrit, quote, irritates him the most is people saying he isn't accurate. Levis went on to say that he believes he is, quote, as accurate as any QB, anyone else at the QB position. Across Levis' four years in college, he has an average completion percentage of 6275 The Kentucky QB is confident in his accuracy, and that's one thing I've picked up on Will Levis this offseason. I knew it to a certain extent watching him this season, but the dude carries himself very highly. He really believes in himself, and you got to respect that. And as a quarterback, at the quarterback position, especially when you're trying to get a job, get it taken in one of the most highly sought-after positions in the entire country, a position that only one of 32 people get as a starting quarterback in the NFL – like, people talk about all the time, like, how many people get D1 scholarships is a low percentage. And then those, those same people that get drafted drafted is a low percentage. And an even a lesser percentage of that is of people that get drafted in the first round. And an even lesser percentage of that is people that get drafted first overall. And Will Levis, given his confidence, I would imagine that that could be something that boosts him up draft boards for a lot of teams. Because if you're looking at what Levis has done this offseason. You look at the Combine. What would he? What did he say at the Combine? He talked about that he has a bazooka of an arm, a cannon for an arm. And you saw that at the Pro Day. You saw that at his Pro Day. Like He's not afraid to talk about how good he is, which I can respect. Again, you're trying to convince people that you are worthy of the top pick in the draft. You have a team in the Carolina Panthers that have been linked with him in the past. You have a quarterback coach in Josh McCown that has expressed an affinity for Will Levis. You have an owner in David Tepper who, been, during the season, was reportedly enamored with Will Levis. And like we've said before, like we, remember we talked about on Friday, with the Cleveland Browns in the 2018 draft, they were going to draft a quarterback and corner first. They said that early on in the draft process. But everybody said that Bradley Chubb was the right pick because Bradley Chubb was a highly, more highly recruit regarded player than... Denzel Ward, at the time. And Denzel Ward, one of the better quarterback cornerbacks in the NFL. But it was early on in the draft process. So people kind of brushed it off. But sometimes it's the first thing you hear that ends up becoming reality. And if David Tepper really likes Will Levis, I wouldn't be surprised given how confident he is and how much he believes in himself and how he's dealt with all these different things in college, not working with the best situation at Kentucky. I could see that being very positive for him being the number one overall pick in the draft. That being said, the problem I have with Pro Days and the Combine is that a lot of people out there, and I think there's there's weight to some of these workouts. I'm not sitting here and saying the Combine and Pro Days are completely worthless. They are not. I, I don't want to go out there and say that at all because I think they are very beneficial in different ways than what people would look at it initially. Like, Will Levis blew up on Twitter the other day during his pro day because he threw a ball from about, if I remember correctly, I don't have the video pulled up, it was about from the 29, 24, I can't remember where the yard markers were to, but the opposite 14 or 19. I don't remember exact. Again, I'm trying to remember where the numbers were. I don't really remember. Either way, it was a very long throw. It was a very long throw. And I went on Colon Company on Friday to discuss this about Will Levis and his pro day. You see the same thing with Josh Allen's pro day. You see it with all these strong-arm quarterback pro days. You had Malik Willis at the Combine last year, throwing the ball like freaking crazy, throwing insane deep balls at the Combine. Like, are they cool? Are those throws impressive? Yes, it is very impressive. But, but, it's a big but. Is that something that's realistically going to happen in the game? It's impressive. It's impressive, but instead of it actually correlating a lot to being in the NFL and being in an actual game situation, it is more of a dick-measuring competition. And you saw that the combine with Anthony Richardson versus C.J. Stroud when they were throwing the deep ball. That was pretty much what it is. It's a driving range. It's really not, like, it's cool. Again, I can't reiterate that enough. It is cool to see a quarterback absolutely launch the ball. It's the same thing like when the pitcher throws 100 miles an hour. But when the ball's going that fast and that far... But it's all over the place. I remember Jordan Hicks with the Cardinals, like throwing 100 miles an hour and it's going 15 feet outside of Yachty's glove. Like it's impressive, but you got to keep that thing, you know, intact. And one of the things that was a big, I I shouldn't say big, but one of the things that people would look at with Will Dev is pro day was the inconsistencies throwing the ball. The touch wasn't always there. Like the deep throw is this thing that everybody will look at and go, that is insane. But what's important with these throws that they combine and at the Pro Day is how they work with the intermediate passes. That's why when we were scouting Justin Fields in the 2021 NFL Draft, the deep throws are impressive because he had a lot of deep throws in that game against Clemson. But the throws that are more impressive was the throw that I think he had, to, I think it was to Jeremy Ruckert in the end zone. You could see it best from the end zone angle of it. It was like a 15, 20-yard throw on a line, very impressive stuff. His throws to, I think, Chris Olave were very impressive, the deep balls. But those short intermediate throws that fit in between different coverages where you put it only where a receiver can get it. Because there's certain points when you're throwing a deep ball, you just the number one rule is don't miss them. If they're wide ass open, just don't overthrow them. If they're wide ass open, underthrow them because they can always work back to the ball. And you saw that one of Will Levis's pro day at his pro day. He had a ball that went super high in the air, but it the receiver had to come back for it. And they're eating it up on the broadcast like, oh my God, that's so impressive. And it's impressive. Yes, I again, I, it is impressive. But it's not something that we should look at and go, that is what is the number one overall pick. That would help. That will help in that regard. But that's not the overwhelming thing. You've got to make sure he can hit the intermediate passes. Because that like Josh Allen, when he first came into the NFL. Josh Allen threw one of the best footballs I've ever seen in my life against the Jacksonville Jaguars, where I was in person, in person, against the Jacksonville Jaguars to Robert Foster for a touchdown. He got hit from like four sides and threw a dime down the field. That was impressive. (coughs) And that's why when we talk about Josh Allen's rookie year, there were signs of that this guy could become something, but the intermediate, short to intermediate throws were not always there. They weren't always consistent. The deep throws were insane. The touch improved as the years got on, but those intermediate throws, like you look at his second year in the NFL against the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving, again a game I was there for. There's a throw to Cole Beasley that was absolutely insane. He's in his own end zone. Throws an absolute dart to Cole Beasley, fits it in between two off to two defenders. Like those throws are more impressive to me than throwing the ball 90 yards down the field. Is it a feat that not a lot of people can do? Yeah, it's insane. But you have to be able to build on that. You gotta be able to build on. So that's why when I look at like Anthony Richardson and Levis, I can understand where people have their reservations about them. I completely understand. I'm not naive to that fact. I really like Anthony Richardson. I like Will Levis. But I'm not naive to the fact that they go, they, hey, if you don't draft these guys first overall, you guys are freaking stupid. There are obviously flaws in their game. There are obviously flaws in, the game, flaws in their game. And I've compared Anthony Richardson and Josh Allen before, but that does not mean that I'm saying, hey, draft Anthony Richardson because he's going to be Josh Allen. I think Anthony Richardson has a very similar skill set to that of Josh Allen. But that doesn't mean he's going to become him. It doesn't. Like, when you look at Jordan Love, when he got drafted out of Utah State, When you if you go back to. I don't. Did we have shows during then that are recorded? I mean, we have like 300 episodes on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So there might be something. Talking about Joe Burrow, like that 2020 draft class. But regardless, Jordan Love, his skill set is comparable. Again, I need to reiterate this enough. I can't reiterate this enough because I think it's important to say and important to reiterate this because people will take it and run with it. His skill set at Utah State, there were points where you go, he looks kind of like Patrick Mahomes. His ability to make throws on the run throwing across his body, doing the sidearm stuff. Like, he can play like Patrick Mahomes. Again, I'm not saying he will ever become Patrick Mahomes. I think he can be a very good quarterback in the NFL. I think he'd be a very good quarterback. I think sitting behind Rodgers would be beneficial for him. I think having a young group of wide receivers that he can learn with and grow with is very beneficial for him. I think having Aaron Jones in the backfield is very beneficial for him. I think having an offensive-minded head coach is very beneficial for him. All these things are beneficial for Jordan Love. It's just a matter of if he can actually realize it. Because I think he has a skill set similar-ish enough to Patrick Mahomes. Like, it's the same thing. I've compared Will Levis, to a certain extent, to Andrew Luck. Not because I think Will Levis is an un-like uh, uh, unpassable, that like, you cannot pass on this guy. He's a guaranteed star at the next level. He'll be the face of your franchise for 10-plus years. You need to draft Levis. But you look at some of the things they can do. They are similar. They are similar. They're not, like, overly, like, super athletes like that's why I think Anthony Richardson and Josh Allen are more similar Anthony Richardson moves more like Josh Allen than Levis does Levis is a big brooly guy Luck would run people over Levis will run people over Levis will jump over people like Josh Allen has but I think he's more compared to Andrew Luck in that sense maybe I'm wrong in that I don't know but I've watched a lot of Will Levis this past year and there are moments where you can go scratch your head a little bit the Tennessee game was not great and I understand where Levis was in regards to this is a big moment, this is a big crowd. You're playing against a team that's super hot right now, and he struggled. But in the same exact breath, Tennessee's past defense was rather shite this past season, and he threw three pretty bad interceptions, if I'm remembering correctly. I well, two of them were pretty bad. I know one down the left sideline was really bad, but I'm I'm struggling. I know one of them was in the red zone, and I can't remember what the third one was. Or like near the red zone. Near the red zone. But that game wasn't great. That game wasn't great. I think this dude has a lot of potential. I think all these quarterbacks have potential. And if I was betting on one long-term, I would bet, again, I'd bet on Anthony Richardson, but I'm not sitting here and saying that you need to draft a number one overall. I'm not going to bang the table for anybody. I think all these guys are going to be good quarterbacks in the NFL. I'm not going to bang the table for anybody. And I said this on Friday. The quarterback rankings I have them right now, are the, pretty much the exact same that I had at the end of the season, and that is Young, Stroud, Richardson, Levis, Hooker, McKee, DTR, Jaron Hall, Jake Hainer, and Stetson Bennett. And Jaron Hall had a very good pro day as well. Jaron Hall had a very good pro day. And I always thought I always find it funny, like when they say like this quarterback had a really, 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 really good pro day. I think it's more impressive, like when you have a bad pro day. <laughs> I think that's more. I think that's more newsworthy, having a bad pro day versus having a good pro day. But for Levis. And Richardson and although Richardson hasn't had his pro day yet, but Stroud, Levis, and Richardson all have, or Stroud, Levis, and Young all have, and it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be interesting. I think his confidence for Levis could definitely push him up to the top of the draft. And I think a lot of people, I don't think I know a lot of people lose their minds. Now I do also think in that same thing we said this on. I think we said it on Friday. We have Stroud talking with Josh McCown's like, hey, when you live in Charlotte, you've got we're gonna get you a court when you live in Charlotte. We'll look for courts when you live in Charlotte and all that stuff. Like, I understand a lot of people, and myself included, are going to go, oh, look, the Carolina Panthers are definitely drafted C.J. Stroud. And there's probably a very good shot they draft C.J. Stroud. If you're looking at the offseason workouts, Stroud's had the best, like, throwing portions of all the quarterbacks in this draft class. Richardson obviously had the best workout in regards to on, like, the 40, the vert, the broad jump, all that stuff. Anthony Richardson blew that out of the water. But Stroud didn't do any of that, so... It's kind of hard for me. No other quarterback really did that. Levis ran the 40, and that was pretty much it. Young didn't work out at the Combine. Stroud only threw. If you're going from the throwing portion, Stroud's looked the best. Stroud's looked the best by far out of the throwers. What you've Like, the intermediate throws have been there, and that's what we said with Stroud. Stroud's accuracy really separates him, and I think those intermediate the short throws are very key for him in this draft process, especially with him being bigger. Like, if you're looking for the best quarterback right now, if you're looking for a guy that's got the size... That could throw a good deep ball, a consistent deep ball, and also hit the intermediate throws. That's Stroud. You're looking for a guy like Stroud, but is his ceiling higher than the other guys? I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But with the Carolina Panthers with Josh McCown telling Stroud we could get you a find you a house with the basketball court and stuff like that, that's fine. And I'll probably take it and run with it for at least the next mock draft. But the draft is called silly season for a reason. There's no real consistency from teams in the NFL draft in regards to we're going to tell a player this and then go another direction because there's a lot of people involved with draft process. Each team, there are 32 teams in the NFL. There are about, I don't know, probably 50 people per team that are involved with the NFL draft in some capacity, including scouts, GMs, like player personnel, all this different stuff. Like there's so many people connected. There's going to be different information coming from different areas for each GM an owner, like, the owners, depending on how hands-on they are, like, there's a chance, there's a very good chance Stroud goes number one overall. I would say at this point, there's probably a 60% chance CJ Stroud's is number one overall pick. If I had to bet right now, Stroud's probably a 60% chance. But then you look at, like, do I, is that all because of McCown telling Stroud that we're going to, when you go to Charlotte, you'll buy a basketball court? No. It's based off the workouts again. But you look back, I brought this up with a friend the other day, you look back to the 20 to 2017 draft and the Chicago bears are always going to be the team that gets brought up when talk about quarterbacks getting drafted and like overanalyzing quarterback and people are going to, if Levis goes first overall, we're going to have that exact situation happen again. Or how could you watch like the Lamar Jackson versus Deshaun Watson game at Clemson LSU. And I've seen it on Twitter. Like it's popped up on Twitter recently again. Like how could you watch this game and think Trubisky is better than Watson? Like, I don't know. It's it's a weird... Like, Deshaun Watson was my number one quarterback in that draft class. So I didn't... I liked Trubisky coming out of North Carolina. I thought he was good at North Carolina. But I didn't think he was better to, than Deshaun Watson. But I understand, like, Deshaun Watson had the knee issues. He tore his ACL his rookie year. So I understand it to a certain extent. But, again, a certain extent. I'm not saying I understand it fully. A certain extent. But in that draft, you see all the different information that Ryan Pace was giving people. You listen to Patrick Mahomes give interviews... And Patrick Mahomes is talking about the Bears told him they were drafted him number one. Or number two, wherever they the first pick, with the first pick. They were the number, he was the number one quarterback on their board. And then you hear John Fox, and then in my mock draft that I had back then, I don't remember a lot of the picks that I had in that mock draft, but I do remember I had Jamal Adams going to the Bears at number three. I had the Bears drafting Jamal Adams. And with the recent reports coming out, or like, I say recent, with reports coming out post that draft, the John Fox, that then head coach, thought they were drafting Jamal Adams. So Ryan Pace did his own thing. You look at the Jacksonville Jaguars last year. What'd they do? You look at the owner. The owner wants what? Who? He wants Aiden Hutchinson. Doug Peterson wants Aki Aquanu, the tackle for NC State. Who'd they go with? The guy Trent balky wanted and Trayvon Walker, because Trayvon Walker, athletically, was the best player in the draft. He blew up the comment for a guy that big. He was getting numbers similar to that of wide receivers. Trim Balke's a big traits guy. So it made sense in that aspect, but was he the best player in the draft? No. But there were so many different things coming out about who this team wanted, who they were going to pick, and all that stuff, and it ended up being someone else. Like, you watched college football that past season. Who would have said that point, when the season ended, Trayvon Walker would be the number one overall pick over Aiden Hutchinson, who finished, I think, second in the Heisman Trophy race? You would tell told everybody then, at that point, at the Heisman ceremony in New York City, that Aiden Hutchinson would be the second overall pick in the draft and not... To the guy that won the Heisman, even though he couldn't come out, but to a guy that was a rotational piece at Georgia, people would call you crazy. So the draft changes. The more and more we get close to the draft, the more and more of the stuff will come out, but the Carolina Panthers, I think, again, are about 60%, I'm 60% confident they're going to draft Stroud, but I don't want people to rule out Will Levis. I said this on Friday that the top two picks in my mind for the Panthers are Richardson and Stroud. But again, if the first thing that came out of this whole offseason was the Panthers are interested in Stroud, David Tepper really likes, or Stroud, really likes Levis, David Tepper likes Levis, don't be shocked if Levis goes first overall. Don't be shocked by that. Now, taking with another team in the draft that's going to probably take a quarterback is the Indianapolis Colts. And this is another situation of silly season being on the rise. Very much being on the rise. And this was a report that came out the other day. And I don't know how true it is. I don't know how true it is as well. The but one the Colts have considered moving back in the 2023 NFL draft rather than moving forward to select their quarterback in the future. Um, I mean, if you listen to the Chris Ballard quote that we read on the last mock draft, like I'll will I'll hurry up and pull that one up again because it's a, a very interesting, a very interesting quote. Mock draft 2.0 again. You can check it out on LoganBlackmanShow.com. Go to the blog section; it should be there for you. Where is the? I gotta find the quotation marks because it's. Okay, here we go. Found it, found it, found it, found it. Found it. I got to highlight the entire thing though because it's it's a longer quote. There we go. All right, so here's what Chris Ballard said at the combine, at the combine. I didn't see this until I right before I released this draft. Um, He stated that in order to move up, there's got to be a guy worthy of it. I know everybody in America is going to say things like, this is what what's great right now. Everybody is just automatically stamped that you've got to move up to one to get it right. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't, but that's going to be the narrative and that's okay you guys write something you got to keep the news flowing i don't know if that's the right course of business when we meet as a staff we say okay this is what we this is what we need to do this is the guy for the next 10 15 years and we think he's the right guy sure we'll do it but who's to say we can't forget one at 4 so do i think there's truth in the fact that the Colts could trade back yeah but i don't know who they would trade back with because Unless the Cardinals do surprise everybody and take Tyree Wilson third overall, which is a possibility. It is a very strong possibility. Then I wouldn't see a team trading up for a defender. So you're trading back with a team to select a quarterback. That's the that's what I'm getting at there. That would be the thing. So if you're trading back with a team to select a quarterback, why not just take your quarterback at four? Because it's the same thing, and I understand a lot of people didn't really like the whole Uh, Daniel Jones draft pick but the Giants to their credit to a certain extent to their what they were trying to do is that they're taking him at six because they don't want to risk the idea of someone else taking their guy you look at the Buffalo Bills when Russell Wilson got drafted the Buffalo Bills took T.J. Graham in the third round because they thought they could get Russell Wilson in the fourth Russell Wilson goes in the third round in Seattle you look at the Buffalo Bills in the uh, 2016 draft they wanted Dak Prescott well, guess what? The Cowboys took Dak Prescott around later, and they t- had to take Cardell Jones. So like, there's different things that happen. You cannot risk a team taking your guy. If you like your guy, take him. So if you're the Indianapolis Colts, why even bother trading back? Why bother trading back? Now, here's what the whole thing could be for, and this is me putting on my tinfoil hat. I'm not confident saying this. I'm not saying this is going to happen at all, but this could be their trading back to trade with the Ravens, to get Lamar Jackson. Potentially. Potentially. I don't again, I don't think there's a lot of truth in that, but maybe there is. Maybe there is. And this again, this isn't anything I've read. This isn't anything I've seen. I'm just saying this we're gonna go tinfoil hat action here. And you look at the Carolina the Indianapolis Colts trading back. They might not want to give up the fourth overall pick. So they trade back a little bit, and they trade with the Ravens who to get Lamar Jackson. Tinfoil hat action here. Pointy tip, hat, and everything. Do I think that's right? No. I think the Colts will draft a quarterback. And I think they'll draft one at four. Or three. But I don't, I don't see them moving back. I don't see them moving back. I could see a reality where they stay at four. And then have a team jump them. But I don't think they would necessarily go, let's trade back with somebody to select, have them select a quarterback or... I don't, I don't know because the only team that could really like the Raiders are going to be linked with a move up in the draft. I had them trading up with the Cardinals in the last mock draft we did, but I like if the Raiders are going to draft a quarterback, why not just take your quarterback? Because, because let's say that scenario plays out and the Raiders trade up with the Colts to get the fourth pick Colts move at to seven. What's the say that hypothetically, the Titans trade up with the lions to six and then the Colts are stuck with no quarterback again. And then that's where the Lamar Jackson thing, maybe that's, maybe that's what's going on here. I don't know, but I, I, again, I just don't see a reality where the Colts trade back, because the only other, I don't think anybody's training up for a defender, unless Will Anderson gets past the Cardinals, which I don't know if he will. Unless the Cardinals trade back, which unless the Cardinals trade back. Because I had the Cardinals trading back with the Raiders, and they took Tyree Wilson at 7, which I think they could get that done there. But, I don't know, I, the draft's fun. But it's another example of silly season, being at the forefront of everything. Like, do, are the Colts going to trade back? Probably not. I would guess there's probably, and I could be wrong about this, I would imagine there's like a 90% chance they don't trade back. But they're going to try and put that out there and tell everybody, hey, this is for sale. But again, if you want your quarterback and you got a guy there, I don't see the point in trading back. I don't. So, yeah, that's my whole take on the, the Colts trading back situation. And I think that is all I've got for you. I think that is all I've got for you today. Oh, what is this? (laughs) Someone updated Florida Atlantic's (laughs) uh, Wikipedia page. They've made two NCAA tournament appearances, 2002 and 2023. And then they filled out every single, like, you got the round of 32, Sweet 16, Elite 8, Final 4, and potentially National Championship. So who the hell knows? We got a lot of stuff to figure out here. I'm excited. I'm excited. So we got basketball going on right now. What's the score of the... The Creighton game. Creighton's winning seventeen to twelve with ten minutes left in the first half. Let's go Creighton! Cheering for Creighton. Got Greg McDermott there. Doug McDermott, obviously Bulls legend. Doug McDermott. I watched Doug McDermott and Harrison Barnes play Johnson in high school, or when they were in high school, not me. And I high fived Harrison Barnes when he was the number one player in the country, and that was so cool. That was so. And now I look back at it as like that was an eighteen year old kid. I'm twenty five. I'm seven years older than some of these people. My every high schooler, I'm at least seven years older than. Like, I it's crazy for me to think about, but it was an exciting time. It was an exciting time. Was an elementary school or early middle school? Like, I, it was big time, high fiving Harrison Barnes, the number one player in the country. That was sweet. That was sweet. So now I'm gonna go down and watch some basketball real quick. But I think that's all I've got for you today. Hope you enjoyed the show. Um, let me know what you think the top quarterback will be in the draft, because it's obviously gonna it's gonna divide some opinions. It's going to divide some opinion. Greg McElroy, former Alabama quarterback, didn't really say he had the strongest arm his, uh, out of all the quarterbacks in the world. But he said, Levis has a cannon, no, bad, no doubt about that, but how often do you throw a deep post at the, front, at the four yards deep from the middle of the pocket off three hitches? The answer is likely never. Pro day, NFL Pro Days are like the PGA Tour players off driving ranges. Yes, I agree with that. Dick measuring contest and uh, driving ranges. That's a perfect way to describe that. Um, yeah. Hope you enjoyed the show today. If you did not, I sincerely apologize. We'll try to be better next time. I uh, hope your brackets doing well. Uh, my prediction for the rest of the tournament. I mean, we're gonna have shows until the national championship. The national championship is until the third, which is next week. So we might not have a, a show for that because again, mock drafts coming out. So we might save all that for Wednesday. But we'll we'll have stuff potentially. We'll have final four predictions and stuff like that because that's on the first, and the first is on Saturday. So we'll have we'll have a prediction show then. We're gonna have. MLB predictions coming up on Wednesday, because opening day is on Thursday, I believe. Hold on. I I just looked it up before the show started, but I can't remember exactly. I think it's Thursday. Yeah, it's on Thursday. So we'll have a full preview show for that one. We'll recap all the Elite Eight action again. We got Creighton taking on San Diego State in Texas, Miami, so I'll go over that. Women's bracket. Uh, my women's bracket's actually doing all right. I don't. I can't really. I don't know why I can't pull it up on a fantasy basket on a ESPN's fantasy page on my laptop. But I can't on my phone. But it's doing all right. It is doing actually all right. Men's tournament. I want the women's tournament. How do I switch pages? Is there a way I can switch pages? Women's tournament challenge. Hold on. Tournament. Challenge. Because I have one on ESPN. I filled out one for ESPN. There it is. I, my max points I can get here is fifteen hundred ninety. I had six thirty points right now, and right now my bracket's doing pretty good. My final four teams are all still in. It, all still in the tournament. Uh, LSU Utah was a heart pounding game. I was very nervous about that game, but uh, yeah, the bracket's looking good. Uh, I've got every single elite eight team in except for I had. Uh, Stanford in, and I had Indiana in. Indiana obviously lost to Miami in the second round. and Then Stanford obviously lost <laughs> to Ole Miss in the second round. But every other team I still got in here. I got Iowa, I got Ohio State, Virginia Tech. I have LSU, Maryland, and South Carolina. I haven't talked a lot about my women's bracket, my women's bracket. But my Final Four is LSU, Ohio State, South Carolina, and Iowa. And then I- Iowa winning the national championship against LSU. So LSU versus Utah was a very stressful game, but I'm happy Utah ended up, or LSU ended up winning that. And the to the girl that missed the free throws at the end of the game. I have sincere condolences for you, but I appreciate you doing that for the culture. So yeah, we're doing good. Women's bracket's actually doing pretty good. I wish I joined a group for that one, but men's bracket is doing all right. I have a chance to win a couple bracket pools, but I'm not in one for this, but it's fun. But March Madness is fun. March Madness is fun. I did watch a bit of Iowa basketball this year for the women's side. So I, I, have watched a few women's games, not just from Iowa, but I've watched some other college basketball games this year for the women's side. So I felt I could do it. I felt I should do it. So we'll see how that one goes. Hopefully you win on that one as we get closer to the end of that one. So with that being said, I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did not, I sincerely apologize. it will probably be better next time. And if we're not, again, I will sincerely apologize again. But make sure you're following The Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media. Check out mantra 2.0 on loganblackmanshow.com. And, yeah, make sure you're subscribed and following the Apple Podcast, and Spotify account. I'll leave a rating of five stars. And this has been Logan Blackman. I will see you all later. Peace.